Well, we did say it was a rather extreme reaction to the FOMC meeting last week, and yesterday and over what night it rewound itself. Well, quite a bit anyway, with the US dollar falling, the yield curve steepening again, US equities up, the Aussie dollar on the rebound. So what's driven this rethink, and will it last? Will Jerome Powell have any influence on it all when he speaks in front of a US government committee later on? We'll also look at yesterday's retail numbers for Australia, dissect what Christine Lagarde had to say from the ECB, and look ahead to what's what today. Spoiler alert, not much, really. It's Tuesday, the 22nd of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the rise in the US dollar has stumbled. It's down 0.4% today. That's given the pound and the Aussie dollar a chance to bounce back, both up more than 0.8% this morning. The Aussie back well over 75 US cents now, in fact, over 75.4. The Kiwi dollar up almost 0.9%. The euro is up 0.4%. And US stocks have come charging back. The Dow is up 1.7%. The S&P 1.3% up. The Nasdaq 0.7% up. The Russell 2000 index is up almost 2%. And banks are doing even better than that. Uh, with the DAX in Europe up 1%. All this after that 1.8% fall in the ASX 200 yesterday, so that'll change today, presumably. And given everything has switched directions, then, of course, 10-year treasuries in the US are now back on the rise as well, up five basis points to 1.48%, although that is still 10 basis points below Thursday's peak last week, of course. And commodities back on the rise. WTI crude is up 1.9%, Brent up 1.4%. So (laughs) talk about... A complete turnaround from how we finished last week. So let's look at why that is, if he knows the answer. Uh, Tapas Strickland is the Director uh, Economics from Markets at NAB in Sydney. I mean, there wasn't anything specific on Monday, was there, to drive this change of heart? In fact, we had more Fed speakers. We had uh, Robert Kaplan and James Bullard both talking about the need for tapering to start sooner rather than later, both saying that they expect inflation is going to remain above target right through next year. So why this change of heart, do you think? Good morning, Phil. Yeah, it has been a very interesting night of market moves, and it does look like what we did see over the past week after the FOMC meeting might have looked like the sell-off was a little bit overdone, and there has been some key, key reversals there, in, and you mentioned them, particularly in regards to equities. But just worth noting that there's only been a small reversal really on net in regards to the moves that we have seen over the past week, and I think markets are still going to be relatively jittery going forward. But just to illustrate the breadth of these moves, the 10-year yield did trade down to as low as 1.35% yesterday and now trades up to 1.48%. So has been quite a big reversal in both yields and in equities. And we'll just have to see exactly how that pans out uh, over the coming week. Is it the speed of it all? Do you think that's it? Is it? Is there was there a fear that you know that uh, that, that the Fed might have tightened too quickly and they may slow the recovery? And now, because one thing that Robert Kaplan talked about uh, overnight was taking the foot gently off the accelerator rather than slamming the brakes on later. He said so that you know when you when you look at it like that, it doesn't sound like a big shift in monetary policy. Is it? I mean, they're not going ahead full throttle. Uh, you know, we all assume the worst is over, so we'd be you know not wanting to, to, to do that, but taking the foot gently off the accelerator means that they're you know they're going slow so maybe that's eased the minds of uh, of some people and that's uh, why the inflation traders turned around it, it, it could be and there had been some notion after the fomc that maybe the fed was going back to its pre-pandemic way of conducting monetary policy which was basically tightening policy on forecasts of inflation and not allowing any overshoot of the mm. inflation target 
And uh, that would have flown in the face of what they've recently done, which is adopting average inflation targeting, which they're really being tolerant of a lift in inflation above target in order to firmly anchor inflation expectations. And that's partly because they don't really know where full employment is in the US, and they're really going to let inflation tell the story there. So I think that's partly the view there. And those comments by Kaplan and even by, by Bullard uh, were a little bit toned down today. And we also got some comments from the Fed, Fed's Williams, and still place the view that the Fed is still sticking to their average inflation targeting framework and not necessarily going back to a pre-pandemic monetary policy regime, which is very important for the outlook, which suggests not necessarily a very aggressive Fed, but the Fed will definitely respond to the signals coming from the economy. So I wonder whether Jerome Powell, I mean, normally, I mean, he's he's speaking later on, early tomorrow morning, uh, Australia time. It might actually be worth getting up early tomorrow morning to hear it. Normally, you wouldn't bother because, yeah, just another, you know, House subcommittee. Uh, but uh, given that, you know, he's been questioned specifically on the uh, emergency lending and asset purchases to do with the pandemic, well, I, I mean, maybe this time it's going to be worth listening to because whatever he says, uh, the market's going to be hanging out for it, isn't it, given they are so jittery on all of this? Uh, definitely. And you maybe get some guide to what Powell will say today by what the Fed's Williams said overnight, just given um, New York Fed President Williams lines up pretty closely with what um, Chair Powell uh, generally mm. states. And Williams said really that the data and conditions have not progressed enough for the FOMC to shift its monetary policy stance of strong support for the economic recovery. So I think power will continue to play up the need for very accommodative monetary policy and play down the signal sent by the Fed dot plot. All right, maybe you don't need to get up then. Maybe maybe it's all been said already. Then that's what you're saying, isn't it? Uh, so what about well, I mean, what about in Europe then? So while uh, while the FOMC has been fairly hawkish, Christine Lagarde at the ECB definitely more guarded. I mean, she uh, she was talking earlier this morning. Uh, she did say she expected activity to improve strongly in the second half of the year. Four point six percent growth over the year is what they're they're expecting. But asset purchases will continue. In fact, they're going to step up, as we know, uh, in the short term. And negative interest rates will continue because they say it's good for banking liquidity. So she's she's signaling there's absolutely no eagerness to to change at all in Europe. That's right. Um, ECB President Lagarde pointed out the difference between what was going on in Europe and what was going on in the US, particularly in regards to the inflation situation. In addition to what's going on in Europe at the moment, the ECB is currently reviewing its inflation targeting framework and seems very close to adopting a Fed-style average inflation targeting kind of framework. And there was a statement released uh, late on Sunday um, saying that uh, the ECB's inflation goal has proved to be elusive and they may have some tolerance for overshooting after a period of sluggish price growth. Um, in addition to that, the ECB has been doing a lot of roadshows throughout Europe, um, seeing what people think of their monetary policy regime. And the biggest feedback really is about the rising cost of living for households, particularly in regards to house prices. Um, so it could be that the ECB also tweaks its inflation calculations to include some sort of housing cost within them as well. Mm. And the Bank of England on Thursday, of course, as well. So uh, I know a c- couple of days away from that. But what's I mean, what is the expectation? What what, what stance are they going to take? Because they've got 60 percent of the adult population having had two doses now. That's 48, 46 percent of the total population, which is uh, pretty much the same as the US. Uh, you know, look at Europe. It's still below 25 percent. Uh, and in the UK, they've got Freedom Day, as they're calling it uh, next month. So, I mean, the Bank of England could be 
a little more hawkish, could they? But but will they be? I think there's good reason to think they might be slightly more hawkish. So since the last NPC meeting, we've had inflation, which has surprised to the upside and is now back back at target. Mm. And you've had a few dovish or formerly dovish NPC members who have come out more on the on, on the hawkish side. So I think it's reasonable to expect maybe a slightly hawkish. BOE. Yeah. And those vaccination numbers are really the key, aren't they? They're the numbers to look at at the moment. And then you can see these spreader events that are going to happen. Like I think I was talking about it yesterday with the Euros taking place. Uh, and then you've got uh, President Erdogan in Turkey saying he's going to open up on July the 1st. 18% of Turkey is fully vaccinated and they're going to open up. And then Japan's going to let people into the Olympic Games. 7% fully vaccinated. I just had to get that off my chest. These people, are, they think COVID has got bored and gone away, Tapas. Uh, but look, uh, not a problem for Australia, of course. Well, so long as no one comes in, uh, Australian retail and the, the odd lockdown. And actually, uh, Aussie retail sales uh, yesterday, um, still very strong, obviously, a little less than expected. But we did have that lockdown in uh, in Victoria. But this is May's, the figures for May. I mean, the lockdown happened only at the end of the month, didn't it? I mean, it'll be more of a concern for June's figures. Uh, uh, for sure. So retail sales in Australia disappointed at 0.1% month to month against 0.4% expected. And as you're saying, that Victorian lockdown, which started on May 28th really uh, weighed on the headline sales figure. So Victorian retail sales fell 1.5%. And that lockdown, particularly in Melbourne, lasted until June 9th. So we would expect uh, that to continue to weigh on those figures. But when you exclude Victoria and uh, WA from the retail sales figures, retail sales are still hovering at around a 0.6% pace. So still suggests there's relative strength within the retail sector in Australia. Yeah. And look, we don't talk about Bitcoin a great deal, but we can't ignore it, can we? Because over the weekend and on Monday, it came crashing down along with other cryptocurrencies. Uh, and it's not been helped, of course, by the restrictions being imposed in China. Bitcoin at half its value since mid-April now, uh, which, I mean, the Bitcoiners will probably say, well, that's a buying opportunity. But it has, uh, it's seen the death cross. And I, I wish I had a bit of echo when I say that, the death cross. Uh, so the 50-day moving average has crossed below the 200-day moving average, which normally is a bad sign, isn't it? But maybe not for cryptocurrencies because it's been there before. Yeah, so the moves in Bitcoin have come in the wake of uh, the Chinese regulators basically cracking down on uh, trading-related uh, a- activities. And China is, has been doing that for, for quite some time. In addition to that, the carbon footprint uh, is quite high in terms of cryptocurrency mining. And up to three quarters of the world's supply of Bitcoin is actually mined in China. So it does devour a lot of electricity and conflicts a lot with those climate goals that the Chinese government has, has mandated. And when you look at Bitcoin over the since Friday. I think it's down by 10%. So um, there has been quite a sharp move there. Yeah. Well, quite day-to-day, isn't it? The attention, obviously, is going to be on Fed speakers. We've got consumer confidence for New Zealand out very soon and their credit card spending, UK public sector borrowing. We know it's going to be up. Uh, CBI industrial orders uh, for, for the UK as well. Uh, the US, the, the Commerce Department's Red Book, their sort of same store sales, so more retail data, plus existing home sales. Uh, we get the Richmond Fed's manufacturing index. And Europe, the flash consumer confidence number for June. Philip Lane from the ECB is going to be talking early tomorrow as well. And for Australia, the weekly payrolls and consumer confidence numbers from the ABS. Pick out of that what you want to talk about, Tapas. There isn't a lot on the 
data calendar, uh, <laughs> that's for sure. And I guess for ABS weekly payrolls, um, they're unlikely to be market moving, just given the tendency for them to be pretty heavily revised. Though we'll still look closely at it, just given it may give some impact of the recent Victorian lockdown in terms of employment, uh, particularly in June. And then, as we were saying before, all eyes are really going to be on the US Fed chair and uh, to what extent he pushes back on um, yep. the recent market moves and i think the comments by the feds williams probably suggest that he will push back a little all right okay there's nothing else to say you can take an early mark today uh, we'll catch you again soon thanks tapas uh, cheers uh, thanks phil good to finish early once in a while there's a couple of extra minutes you've got in your day to do what you want with i tell you what we won't be running under time tomorrow because ray Atrill will be joining me uh, and uh, i'll be back then as well i'm phil dobby for nab see you then <laughs>